Big 5D Podcast is brought to you by Matchcraft, a global MarTech platform powering local search, social, and display campaigns for partners on six continents. Matchcraft's newest offering is Powered By, an API solution giving third-party platforms access to the technology behind Matchcraft's flagship Advantage platform. To learn more, visit matchcraft.com. Hello and welcome to the Big 5D Podcast. I'm Charles Laughlin, Content Director of Big 5 Digital. So what we're going to do on this and several upcoming episodes of the podcast is share content from our recent Big 5 Summit in Cape Town. It was a great event. Uh, we had about a day and a half of very in-depth conversations about how technology is going to help transform African small businesses. So today's conversation is with Jason Siv. He's CEO of MobiCred, which is a virtual credit facility that is sort of loosely uh, considered part of the buy now, pay later space. Jason has some things to say about whether that's an accurate uh, uh, categorization for them. Uh, but we had a great conversation about the buy now, pay later business model, what's wrong with it, what its challenges are, why it's attractive also, and what we think will happen with it over the coming few years. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. And I just want to thank everyone who attended the Big Five Summit. And I want to thank all the companies that sponsored the summit, which we will be featuring on upcoming episodes of the podcast as well. So we hope you enjoy this conversation and please subscribe. Thank you. Okay, so our next conversation, welcome Jason, um, is about buy now, pay later. I think most of you have heard of it. It gets in the news a bit. and. Um, we're going to, Jason's going to tell us about MobiCred, which is his company, but we're going to have just a general conversation about the business model, fair to say a phenomenon, which is buy now, pay later, globally, you know, there's companies all over the world, uh, massive companies like Klarna, um, Afterpay, which is now part of Block, um, one of the other, Zipco from Australia, which is rolled up a bunch of company, a firm is another big one. Uh, and then there's quite a few in the Middle East, uh, quite a few in Asia, quite a few in Europe. There's yeah. many regional players. Increasingly now, it's I think you can go to pretty much any country right now, and you'll see one or two that got out of the starting gates first, and then five or six copycats that are right. all trying to play catch up, and inevitably will just be consolidated. Right. Well, in MENA alone, I think there's half a dozen yeah. that are operating in Saudi and. UAE and perhaps Correct. other Gulf markets, and, and that's a consolidation that has already started taking place. So let's start at the beginning and think of your questions. And most, most of you have probably heard or thought about buy now, pay later. Many of you may uh, have it as part of your solution or uh, be thinking about it in some way. So we're going to have a conversation about sort of the, the pros and cons of the model, uh, what its future looks like, and, and so on. So think of your questions, and I'll, but we'll get started. Just talk about MobiCred because you're sort of unique. We have a unique player in the BNPL space, so explain that. Uh, so we, we launched MobiCred about seven years ago. Um, we took a look at the e-commerce industry and we figured it was going to rocket the same way it had uh, exploded around the world. South Africa is generally about seven or eight years behind where the UK is. Um, so we thought there'd be a, a really interesting opportunity to launch a revolving uh, revolving credit facility, fully virtual, um, that works much the same as a credit card, but is only online, initially. And so we built the platform that allowed uh, customers to apply, 
uh, and then if they're approved, activate um, fully, digi fully digitized process. Uh, the account's not linked to any other credit card or bank account. So essentially, it's a, it's a credit card without the plastic. And then we went about signing up retailers, which took time initially. Uh, in the first two years, uh, the pure play online retailers thought credit would do nothing for their business. They didn't really understand how, like, credit, how retail credit would work. Then when the market started to mature a bit, uh, we started getting yeses from some of the, the, the big retailers. And then between then and now, we've now built up a retail footprint of just over 4,000 online retailers in South Africa. And we've got a customer base that shops across the retail footprint. Um, and uh, they, they, they behave pretty much like a normal credit card customer would. But up until now, it's been limited to online only. Okay, and you say up until now, so you have an in-store product. We're just about to launch in-store where the customer can walk in with his mobile app and start transacting in certain physical stores, yeah. Okay, so before we get into sort of the nuts and bolts of BNPL, which again, you kind of brand yourself, let's explain, you brand yourself sort of as BNPL, but you're a little different. It's not that we brand ourselves as BNPL, it's actually that we get branded as BNPL. Okay, but it is on your website. You do buy now and pay later. Yeah. So okay. technically, Very technically well. yes. But I think what's happened is the industry has coined the BNPL phrase very specifically targeted to the pay in three, pay in four, mm -hmm. no interest, no fees, where we're not that. You know, we built a business that does in fact charge some interest and charge fees to customers. Uh, and our facilities at the moment go up to like 35,000 Rand, mm -hmm. where a lot of the pay in three, pay in four products are more suitable to your smaller installment, your sneakers for 2,000 Rand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a spectrum of BNPL models, like a firm charges, if I'm not mistaken, a firm charges. It's like a hybrid, a firm's a bit yeah. of a hybrid. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so with that established, and now talk a, a little bit about um, sort of the e-commerce adoption experience over the last couple of years. And I mean, is it, was it pretty much the same? Yeah. Globally, it went like, you know, four or five years of adoption in a year or so. So, insane growth. Mm -hmm. So, when Afterpay launched in Australia in the first, I think in year two, mm -hmm. they were acquiring 30,000 customers a day. You know, like no bank is doing that. Mm. So, um, it's hugely disruptive. And it was so appealing to customers, and it is appealing to customers because your conversion and your actual your, your your journey to use the product is seamless you know you can you, you can you can use that product in in 90 seconds sure. and because they fall outside majority of the BNPL players fall outside of regulations there's no income verification uh, there's no affordability checking being done no real affordability checking being done at all and therefore, you, there's no friction in uploading documents. So it made the process very slick and quick. And because your first payment is upfront, you're reducing your risk substantially. Um, and, is, and in essence, you're still extending credit, but there's just no interest in fees. Right, I mean, the argument's been made that it's just another version of credit. It's not, it's, yeah. a, it's credit. I mean, there's no question about it. It's an obligation that you have to pay in the future. Correct. So, um, so we've talked in the past, you and I, uh, 
we've had a couple of these conversations where we're, you sort of you kind of broke down for me why you think the the basic pay and four pay and three model isn't doesn't work or at least doesn't you don't think it works in South Africa specifically. So could you so, talk about that? If you look at the world, you know, and the layout of the, the landscape as, as it is at the moment, uh, you've had like a number of these very large BNPL players launch and scale at breakneck speed. And they've also been able to raise a ton of money on the assumption that when they get to real scale and they've got tens of millions of customers, it'll be a great model with good returns, shareholder value, and they listed a lot of these businesses. 12 months ago, some of these businesses were worth billions of dollars, billions of dollars on various stock exchanges. Today, there are many of them are only like 10% of what they were a year What do you call a former unicorn? <laughs> a pony. <laughs> okay. And, and I think what, what's happened is analysts and investors out there have kind of lost patience where, you know, they had this promise of what would be. And for a lot of these guys, it's been the perfect storm where one, the investors have run out of patience. They're saying, you guys are at scale and you're still losing money. Um, and two, we kind of don't believe you anymore because you've been saying this for a long time. Three, interest rates are rising. Four, the tech stocks, tech stocks have been hammered. So they have been in a bit of a perfect storm. Yeah. Well, how much of this is of their, I mean, a firm, they've all crashed, basically, uh, from a yeah. stock valuation standpoint. How much of that can be is isolated of uh, crash of BNPL versus a tech crash. Is it, is it mostly a BNPL crash or a tech, or they're caught? I think you're saying perfect storm, so it's, 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 it's a bit of both. both. Yeah, yeah. It, it is both. But if you look at their products and the way they're designed, um, they're obviously able to churn their cash really quickly, which is a great benefit. Mm -hmm. You don't need a ton of money if you're going to grow very quickly because your money comes back quickly. But the, the, the bigger problem is actually, I think, they've created this expectation amongst the retailers that these products are, um, well, they're clearly here to stay, but they've created an expectation amongst the retailers that, um, that they can be served at a rate that's not sustainable. So in the US, I know some of the big guys are actually paying the retailers like tens and tens of millions of dollars just to re to extend their contracts. Right. Yeah. And that's not sustainable. Right. And you know, when you start pushing down those rates, because the way BNPL works is you're the retailer pays the commission. Yeah, I'm so discounting the commissions as well. Correct. And also what happens is inevitably, you know, if BNPL you think about it logically, if BNPL becomes so big and it becomes 30, 40 percent of revenue of a retailer, you're saying they're not gonna add that onto their pricing and charge the customer anyway, inevitably. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, the argument I've heard for the sustainability of BNPL is it's become so popular among consumers that merchants have to offer it and that there's going to be a certain table stakes nature to BNPL that's going to sustain it over time. Is that, yeah. you think that's true? Yeah, yeah, it could be. The other thing mm -hmm. that BNPL guys will do is they will build alternative credit products. They'll, they'll build a Moby cred and graduate their BNPL customers right. to a Mobi credit card, which yeah. does have more margin and doesn't mm -hmm. make real profit. So 
that's what you'll do and you'll so add on pay four becomes a lost leader for a more profitable correct product. but you need a very very deep right yeah, yeah. there to fund that over time yeah right, right, right. Mm. okay so what do you think over the next uh let's say 18 months happens with all of these i mean there's been again like zipco has been buying up they bought up one of your competitors if i'm not mistaken yeah it's the Payfix. yeah and they've Acquired companies in uh, the Middle East and the U.S., I believe, um, and I'll, I think Europe as well. And so that their their consolidator block by what uh, was Square, you know, yeah. after pay. Um, what do you think over the next? Given you know many of them are worth a lot less than they were uh, even six months ago. Mm. What do you think happens in the next six six months to a year? I think there'll definitely be consolidation mm -hmm. and. Uh, the guys that run, because you know, you have to believe that, that none of these players are making money. Certainly, the ones that are listed, their losses are out there. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you're going to have maybe like an institution that wants the tech, wants the customers, and will buy it as a bolt-on to an existing infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But as a standalone, you know, in a, in, a, in a first world economy, when you've got, you're charging a merchant four four percent and your cost of collections 1%, and then you've got cost of funding, and then you've got bad debts, and you're working capital. So you look at the unit economics, it's very difficult to stack it up and say, this thing works. Mm -hmm. Which is why, I mean, quite honestly, at the beginning, we took a decision not to, not to build our own product, because it, it, you know, it, it's a simplified version of what we run. Right. And we took that decision because we couldn't make the numbers work. Now we're in a position where we probably are going to have to offer our own version of it to our retailers who want it. Not because we think we're going to make money out of it, just, but just because they, they, they're going to get it from someone else or they don't get it from Exactly. Me. Yeah. Okay. So one of the themes around buying out later is that it has become um, it's extremely popular with you know Gen Z, or I should say Gen Z. I'm an American, so I say Gen Z. Um, Gen Zs or Zs and millennials, etc., younger consumers. Um, who you know are, are having a version of revolving credit? They like that the whole debit economy narrative. Yeah, it, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And they've created like a bit of a bit of a story. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of these alternative payment BNPL mm -hmm. players that have gone out there and said the credit card model is dead. Right. Long live BNPL. Our 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 millennials and Gen Zs don't want to pay interest, and they don't. Uh, Big brands don't re resonate with them anymore. You know that's right. why all these alternative fintech brands have launched, and their their shtick is that the young customers find their these brands cooler. You know that's 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 the that's the sell, and the retailers have kind of gone, yo, that makes sense, that makes sense. Um, let let's offer these alternative payments and see what happens. Right. So yeah, and that's right. ASAP Rocky is the. Uh, spokesperson for Klarna, and he did that for equity and not, not cash. And I hope that's a good decision for him. But um, uh, the, so what, what I think when you peel that back a little though, I mean, we're seeing increasingly, for example, um, default rates are rising, right? Yep. And um, also there's some regulatory holes that are pretty, that you could drive a truck through, right? So, yeah. Lori, I should say Lori. Uh, um, or do you say Lori here? What do you say truck? Or do you say uh, I can say either? Okay, I'll just uh, whatever. Um, the one, the big one that I see is that you can have I can do a BNPL on Klarna, and then I can do one on Afterpay, 
and then I could do one on someone else. Correct. And I could have six to eight BNPL uh, uh, accounts, open accounts, and there's no tracking of that. Yeah, there's, there's you know, a lot of them are not submitting to bureaus. Right. So there's not. But that's starting. Though. They're starting to. Some of them are starting to yeah. correct. Uh, but for a while, that's been a problem. Mm -hmm. So I think you know they probably all had a good look and said it's in our interest that we all sub submit data and mm -hmm. we can all see if a customer does have ten BNPL accounts. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also you know you know like a, a lot of a lot of countries that introduced regulatory uh, rules around lending. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't uh, it, it it was as a result of prejudicial lending and some bad practices in the industry. But it wasn't only irresponsible lending, there was a lot of irresponsible borrowing that went on there. Mm -hmm. You know, consumers are also to blame when they, you know, deliberately go out and borrow too much money that they can't afford to pay back. And in this case, there, if, you know, if you don't have ample income verification and affordability checks and the like, uh, people will borrow more than they can pay back. Right. Any questions in the audience? Well, I'll carry on with a few. Okay, we got one. We got a mic? Yeah. I think my voice is loud enough. Well, we, we're recording it, so. <laughs> Thank you. I think you did touch on uh, the topic a little bit. Uh, earlier you spoke around the onboarding process being less rigorous than what your traditional lenders would normally uh, sort of do. So how does that then uh, relate to your rate of impairments? Is it not uh, maybe a situation that leads to you know, your forever customers that are on your platform, but who maybe utilize in the first instance uh, you know, the, the, the credit limit that they've got? I mean, if you take a look at what the banks are experiencing, people take out credit cards, maybe they max it out and they spend the uh, rest of the period going forward just servicing almost the interest. So my view is that might actually impact on the value uh, that goes to the retailers who are part of that ecosystem because uh, you know you may end up just having monetization coming from interest if there is but if you've got people with less sort of uh, credit that's available how do you maintain sustainability of the uh, business model? Um, uh, so that's, that's, that's question one. Uh, I just had another sort of thought uh, as well. In terms of uh, the various uh, apps that are coming up, um, you know, in apps. the market. No, um, applications. Applications. That are coming up in the market where from a payment uh, gateway, uh, call it that perspective, how would you reconcile this um, you know, with a situation where you may end up having more than one sort of payment gateway on a single app uh, because of the uniqueness of the method of payment that is there? Or is it a situation of saying if uh, I've got my Yep app and I'm trying to reach out to customers that maybe I'm locked into one payment gateway, so to speak, as opposed to having a variety uh, of uh, a, a sort of payment gateways that are sitting on one app? Thank you. Okay, so if I'm understanding your question correctly, for your in in the second instance, yeah. a lot of the gateways are actually adding all the payments themselves. So what a lot of apps are, are doing now when they're when they're building their their, their payment functionality in in, in, a, in on their site or app, they're using gateways that have completed all the integrations 
with various payments. It's the same, we kind of did that ourselves where we completed integrations with most, almost all the gateways here. So if a retailer wanted to utilize our services, we, they, didn't even, they didn't have to do the heavy lifting. They could just go to their gateway and there'd be 10 different payment options, EFT, credit, card, whatever. Um, in the first instance, how does it affect the retailer? Uh, yeah, it certainly will affect the retailer because if, if you're extending too much credit to people because you've got frictionless onboarding, uh, you will take a good customer that was consistently buying X amount of product and turn them bad by extending too much credit. And you know, so from being able to, sh to shop consistently um, buying $100 a month, uh, maybe they'll spend excessively for two or three months after that, but then once they're blown out, they're blown out. Is maybe one more quick question, otherwise we're gonna wrap it up. All right, Jason, thank you very much. Uh, Only a pleasure. How did, how did you sign up 4,000 retailers? Uh, how did you go about doing that? Gateways. Gateways, okay. They've got, all the re they've got the retail footprint. They've got thousands of retailers themselves. So, you know, if your integration's done into the gateway and the retailer doesn't have to do the work, then it's, it's pretty quick. Well, it takes a few years, yeah. All right, great. Thank you, Jason. Please join me in thanking Jason.